1: Now, as believers, they were being deceived by what they thought was legitimate spiritual phenomena. And Paul goes through chapter 12, 13, and 14 and gives the Corinthians some objective evidence, some sound doctrine to guide them and to safeguard them in the area of spiritual gifts. You see, friend, in, in the area of spiritual things, you have to be concerned not just about the Holy Spirit's power but also about the adversary's power. And Paul lays down some sound doctrine. Chapter 12, he, he, he demonstrates how these spiritual gifts are given by one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Everybody's got the different gift, but they all got it from one spirit who produces unity, uses those gifts to produce unity. Chapter 13, he, he rebukes the Corinthians for their abuse of the spiritual gifts. And then in chapter 14, where we're going to look today, he provides a procedure whereby they are able to identify the true working of God in the spiritual gifts and the counterfeit uh, working of the adversary in the religious system. Chapter 14, verse 1 follow after charity and demand and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. Now he's going to deal in First Corinthians 14 with two gifts. One, the gift of prophecy. Uh, and he says in verse 5, I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he may interpret that the church may receive edifying. Verse 12, he says, Even so ye, forasmuch as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Everything you read here, it's very clear that Paul is interested in the edification, the spiritual edification of the believers as a whole, the church. And that's why he focuses on the gift of prophecy, because verse 3, he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. But the Corinthians were enamored with the gift of tongues. And so Paul is going to, in chapter 14, deal with the issue of the gift of tongues. And you notice immediately what he says in verse 2 here. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now, that is not a compliment, by the way. That's not good. That's a rebuke. Verse 4, he says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. That isn't a compliment, The guy speaking in an unknown tongue edifying himself, that's not good, that's bad. Speaking in an unknown tongue and just speaking to God and not able to speak to anybody else for their edification is not good, that's bad. How do you know? Chapter 12, verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit, one of which is speaking in tongues, is given to every man to profit, what? Not personally, not individually, but with all, it's for everybody's profit. 1 Peter 4.10. Peter says, if you, you've been given a, a gift, then minister it to the for everybody, to, to everybody. Nobody received. That's the whole point in chapter 12 of the doctrine there. Everybody received a gift. Each individual that received a gift received it not for their individual use, but for the greater good of the whole group. Now, what was happening at Corinth is that some folks were on an ego trip. They were edifying themselves. They were using a gift that was meant for the whole group's edification. They were using it for their own self-aggrandizement. They were using it in a selfish manner to build themselves up. They were on an ego trip. They enjoyed exercising the this spectacular showy gift in front of all their friends. But the purpose of God was for the saints to get together for for the edifying of the whole body, not self-gratification or personal experience-seeking. God never gave a gift for that, and people that were using it for that demonstrated that they weren't using it, that it wasn't God working through them. It was their own religious fervor. It was their flesh doing it. Especially is that true here with regard to speaking in tongues. And the tongue-talking had literally become a standard. It had become the measure of the validity of their Christian experience, their spiritual life. That's why he says in chapter 14, verse 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual. You see, they had used these this gift of tongues, especially as the validating criteria to be a spokesman for God and to be truly spiritual. Now, that's a very... Contemporary issue, is it not? Well, First Corinthians fourteen, Paul gives a series of objective standards and tests where you can know whether the gift that you're seeking and the gift that you're looking at, maybe you're operating, maybe you're seeing operated around you, whether it's from God or not. And First Corinthians fourteen, in essence, what Paul says is, when God does it, this is the way it works. If it doesn't work this way, then it isn't God doing it. Now, when he gets down to begin giving you the test, and the tests start in verse 21 and go down to about verse 35, he says this in verse 20, Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be children, but in understanding be men. Now, he's back to chapter 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you to be ignorant. Verse 3, I give you to understand. Paul wants you to understand some things. And the test for speaking in tongues, as any of the other gifts, but the tongue speaking is what he deals with here, is this issue of understanding. And he says concerning malice will then be children. Don't, Don't get involved in that. You see, Paul understood this was a touchy topic. He understood that when people get involved, especially in speaking in tongues, that they feel... That they're directly in touch with the supernatural. I mean, here's something that you can experience, something that you can you that, that's tangible, that, that, that you can feel. It's not dry and academic and cold and lifeless, but it feels right, it feels real. You can feel the warmth and the excitement and the love. And Paul says, I know that you get all caught up in that, that feeling part of it. And he knew that because of that. There was a powerful intimidation factor at work against people who didn't want to be ignorant but wanted to stand on a sound understanding and operate simply on the basis of the doctrine rather than their experience as the criteria for what God's doing. You see, to be ignorant about these things, it's not simply unscriptural. It's dangerously wrong for your your spiritual health you need to be able to understand what and how to know whether it's God at work or whether it's a counterfeit. Now, the standards, there's seven tests that he gives here for identifying whether speaking in tongues is uh, has God as its source, if it's what God's doing, or if it's not. And in essence, what Paul says, when God does it, here's the way it works. And he gives seven rules. Number one, Verse 21, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, yet for all that they will not hear me, saith the Lord, wherefore tongues are for a sign. Number one, tongues are for the benefit of the nation Israel. When he says, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, who is that? Well, go back and and read. That's a quotation from Isaiah chapter 28, verse 11 and 12. Go back and read it. It's a, it's a reference to the nation Israel verse 22 wherefore tongues are for a sign First Corinthians: 121 has already told us the Jews require a sign you see the sign gift program is a is a part of the national heritage of the nation Israel when, when Moses when God first formed the nation Israel Moses brought them out of Egypt. Moses protested God's commissioning him to do so, God gave Moses two signs, serpent handling and healing. And he said, these two signs will cause him to believe. That's why the the Bard of Israel identifies the sign gifts as Psalm 74, verse 9, our signs. They're the birthright of the nation Israel. Tongues specifically belong to that favored nation. Rule number one, tongues in the Bible are for the benefit of the nation Israel. Everywhere you see them, that's what they'll be for, in the Bible. They're our signs, Israel says. Number two, they're for the purpose of convincing unbelieving Jews, not for convincing believers, and especially not Gentile believers. Verse twenty two, wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth them that believe not, uh, serveth not them that believe not, but them which believe. You see, tongues were for a testimony to unbelieving Jews. Because of their heritage, the Jews required a sign. 1 Corinthians one twenty two says, simply, they, they simply wouldn't believe without it. That's what Jesus said when he told the nobleman, John 4.48, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. What did Israel see? They saw their signs operating out there among the Gentiles. What did that tell them? That said to them that God is going to speak to all those nations out there, in all those languages without you. It's a sign of God's judgment on Israel, that through the fall of Israel, salvation goes to the Gentiles. Tongues are for a sign to the nation Israel. Now, rule number one, tongues are for the benefit of Israel of the nation of the nation Israel. Number two, they're for the purpose of convincing unbelieving Israel. Number three, they're to be used for the edifying of the church at large, not the individual. Verse twenty six. First Corinthians. Fourteen twenty six. How is it then, brethren, when you come together? Every one of you hath a, a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Verse number twelve. Even so, ye for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. You see, that's why it's a problem. Back in verse four, when the guy speaks in an unknown tongue, edifies himself. That's not good. That's bad. There's no private, personal edification designed by God. When God's operating the speaking in tongues, it isn't a private, personal edification. It's the edification of the group. Therefore, there's no so-called private prayer language, no heavenly language that you get that's just between you and God so you can talk to God. God doesn't need that for you to talk with him. Tongues are not for God's benefit, they're not for your benefits individually, they're for the group's benefit. There's no such thing as a private prayer language. That's that's a theological gimmick developed by people who see a verse, don't know what to do with it, develop a gimmick to try to get around what this passage is saying. Now, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18, by the way, Isaiah warns the nation Israel When they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards. Now, who's that? Well, that's the false religion. That's the occult. That's the religion out there that that God didn't have anything to do. That's the satanic policy of evil in religion. And these familiar spirits and these wizards do what? That peep and mutter. You see, in... Pagan religion is paganism is filled all kind. Every religion in the world has its tongue talking exercises. All you got to do is look up the Encyclopedia Britannica, and you can see that. I mean, you you have to you have to just have your head in the sand not to understand that. And Paul says, "No, that didn't." What's going on? When God's doing it, it isn't that. When God's doing it, it's for the good of everybody. Rule number four. Verse 27, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most, by three. In other words, rule number four, no more than three people are to speak in tongues in any one meeting. And that, verse 27, by by course. Rule number five, each of those three that do speak in tongues are to wait their turn and do it in order. So there won't be any confusion. Verse 33, God is not the author of confusion. Verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. You see, orders to be maintained. Why? In order that edification can be had by everybody. Everybody knows what's going on. No confusion, no loss of control, no being carried away under these dumb idols, even as you're let. You see, when you lose control and you're carried away in this stuff, it isn't God doing it. When God does it, the speaker's always in control. Verse 28, rule number 6. If there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. You see that? One person is to interpret, that is, they're to translate, or you're not to do it. And then verse number 27 again, rule number 7. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, only men are to speak in tongues, no women. You say, now wait a minute, Jordan. Now now you're now you're really blaspheming. Now you're a male chauvinist. No, I'm just reading the verse. Verse 34. Let the women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. Now you know Paul's not prohibiting the ladies from talking or holding a conversation during the meetings. No. The context of first Corinthians fourteen thirty four is speaking in tongues. It is not permitted unto them to speak in tongues. All right? That's the rules. If a person is speaking by the Spirit of God, well, you can expect them to do no less than follow the guidelines set down by the Spirit of God, right? All right, here they are. Two men, maybe three at the most, get up by course, that is, in order, to speak. They're followed by an interpreter, somebody who translates what what, what they said. No women speakers, no talking at the same time, no speaking by more than three no absence of a a translator, and all of it done as a witness to unbelieving Jews. Now, let me ask you something. Would those rules put you out of business? Would they put out of business what you see going on around you? If that's what you're doing, if you're doing what that passage says, if in your meetings... There there are no more than three men doing it. You know, there's no women doing it, no no women speaking. There's there, there's nobody talking at the same time. Uh, there, there, there's no speaking by more than three. There's no as always a translator, and it's being done as a witness to unbelieving Israel. Well, if that's what you're doing, then I'd say forbid not to speak in tongues and get on with it. Anything else though? Anything else not agreement, not most of it, but anything else, then you just need to be honest enough to acknowledge that it's not the God of the Bible that's working in your midst. Now, friend, you're free to do whatever you want to do, except to say it's something that it isn't. God has said, this is the way you know when I'm doing it. Now, the truth of the matter is that God is not operating the spiritual gift program today. You say, well, why do you say that, Brother Rick? First Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 8. I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse number 8 is very clear. First Corinthians 13, 8. Look at the passage. You need to get this. First Corinthians 13, verse 8. One of the greatest uh, snow jobs that's ever been produced on, on the body of Christ is to tell you that First Corinthians 13 is the great love chapter. When it's not, First Corinthians 13 is a rebuke to the Corinthians for their misuse of spiritual gifts. And first Corinthians thirteen, verse eight tells them that the fundamental problem that, that, that in their misuse is they put all their eggs in this basket that's gonna go away. The one basic thing they gotta understand about spiritual gifts is the spiritual gift program is going to pass away. First Corinthians thirteen eight. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, and that's the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, the gift of knowledge, it shall vanish away. In other words, there's going to come a time when the gifts, when the when the spiritual gifts no longer operate. They're going to no longer be a part of God's program. They would no longer be dispensationally correct. Now, when was that going to happen? Verse 9, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The spiritual gifts are going to cease when that which is perfect is come. Can't be any clearer than that. Now, I know somebody says, well, that's where, that's when, when Jesus comes, second coming. But that's that, that doesn't make any sense. The second coming of Christ isn't in the context here at all. Beside that, do you refer to the Lord as that which? No, he, he's a person, not a thing. And beyond that, the, the word perfect has to do with maturity, being brought to full completion. Where in the world did you ever get the idea in the Bible that you're given... Uh, to think that you should wait until Christ returns to grow up. That's something we're to do right now, friend. Now, the identity of that which is perfect isn't difficult to ascertain from the verses if you just read them. He says, "We know in part." What then is in part? Knowledge, that's right. What does what does away with partial knowledge? Complete knowledge, that's right. You knew that. The perfector, the completer must be the same substance as the thing being completed. There's no other way. That which is perfect has to do with the completion of the message committed to the Apostle Paul. It has to do with the completion of the written Word of God, the written revelation of God. And when God's Word is completed, then there's no need for extra-biblical revelations. And that's exactly what's done with tongues. When tongues were in order, they were used to communicate revelation from God. Today, that revelation is complete. God has finished His Word, and there's no need. God has replaced the spiritual gift program with something far better, with the written Word of God, which is able to make the man of God perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Friend, you don't need the spiritual gifts. What you need is the is a clear understanding of the written Word of God, rightly divided, so your faith can rest in an intelligent understanding of God's Word. Be not children in understanding. Put away childish things. In understanding, be men, be adults. Let me offer you a free Bible study tape before we go off the air today. It's entitled, Things Tongue Talkers Don't Talk About. Now, this is a detailed study of First Corinthians 14. And the, the, the standards, the tests that Paul's gives these objective tests to authenticate spiritual gifts as to whether they're from God or are they an imitation and a counterfeit. So your, re- your faith can rest on God's Word to you. To receive your free copy, simply call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. Or of course you can write me here at the at, at the Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois 60108. That's the Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois 60108. My friend, we also want you to know about Grace School of the Bible because we have a we have a rather uniquely designed three year Bible Institute program available on an extension basis. Our school is is unique in in several ways. First, we we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer in our curriculum. Rather, rather than patterning our curriculum after the standard systematic theologies that are uh, used by most Bible institutes and Bible schools and seminaries, we, we follow a clearly designed outline and pattern for edification that's found in Paul's epistles. And what that does is it allows students to grow to maturity uh, the Pauline way. And, and to quickly be prepared for the ministry that the Lord has for them. Another, another uniqueness of, of Grace School of the Bible is that it's offered on an extension basis through the use of a video. In other words, we, we send the school to you rather than requiring you to come to us. And what that does is allows you to enjoy the regular sound Bible teaching and edification in the comfort and convenience of your own home and to fit it into your own scheduling demands and the and the ministry that perhaps you already have where you are. If you are or you have ever desired to be a serious student of God's Word, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number again is 888-535-2300. And let me also say thanks to those who are helping us to keep this program on this station. This is uh, genuinely listener-supported radio, and I hope you're encouraged to know that there are folks in your area who love the Word of God, rightly divided, and who rejoice in the message of grace and the joy of the grace life. My friend, if you don't have a fellowship to attend this week where the message of grace is taught from the rightly divided Word and the grace life is clearly proclaimed, call me. And we'll put you in touch with a group in your area where you can find that fellowship and encouragement. Our number again is 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me at any time at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. And, friend, if you're still not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven, and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know... And we'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that'll make the way plain. That number again is 888-535-2300. Thanks for joining us today, and until we meet again this same time and place next week, Maranatha. I want to leave.
0: salem media group salutes the central florida christian chamber member of the month here's Chamber president crystal parker congratulations to christy naruzzi with credit christy for being the christian chamber member of the month as a credit coach influencer speaker and author all while advancing the kingdom through the marketplace Become a kingdom partner today. Contact the Central Florida Christian Chamber at cfchristianchamber.com. Congratulations to Christy Naruzzi for being the Christian Chamber Member of the Month. Take the word with you, wherever you go, with our mobile app, thewordorlando.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and odyssey.com, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. All right, folks, let's get started.
1: Parents, thanks for coming. As many of you know, I'm Coach Mather. Tonight, I want to talk about the season, of which I only have one expectation, that everybody gets stronger. When I say get stronger, I'm not referring solely to physical strength. Sure, we'll be in the weight room, we'll be running stairs, but we're also going to focus on developing mental toughness and grit, because those are the characteristics that allow us to achieve greatness both on and off the court. So, how do we develop those things? By getting comfortable with a challenge. By cultivating the confidence necessary to overcome adversity in all forms. That's why I coach. That's my purpose. Every
0: member of this team can lean on me. And I'll teach them how they can lean on themselves and each other. This message presented by the FHSAA and the Florida Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association.
2: Have you noticed bad behavior has become normalized at interscholastic athletic events? Some fans seem angry. They lack civility toward one another. Some even get aggressive and unruly. Time out! What is going on? This has to stop. Let's not forget, school sports aren't just about winning. And they're definitely not an excuse to take your frustrations out on the official or the opponent. They're about teaching lessons, like perseverance, respect, and empathy, so students can learn and grow as people, not just as players. We all have a role to play in setting a good example for our students and teaching them these important values. So fans, it's time to step up your game and behave positively at Interscholastic Athletic Events in Florida.
0: This message presented by the FHSAA and the Florida Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association.
2: Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now when a teen says something is on fleek it's exactly like saying that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council.
0: A bigger and stronger voice for God's Word is now here. 50,000 watts. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. WTLN Orlando. Where faith comes by hearing. Portions of this broadcast hour are pre recorded. Make It Clear Ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He
1: was one of the most respected generals in the military.
0: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.